0: Just a moment, and I believe the ushers may be needing to bring another row of chairs up front, amen, amen, we'll, we'll adjust, we'll adjust this week, but we don't want to put chairs back into the exit area, that's, Fire Marshal would probably not be excited about that, so our best area to do that would be up here. So Brother Simpkins, I'm going to give you guys a couple of minutes right now while we Get ready to, uh, in fact, you can go ahead and get your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. Amen. And and once we do that, you guys can fill in this row that we're going to be bringing up front. It doesn't do us much good to bring an extra row and nobody sit in them. So uh, you're welcome to uh, kind of adjust a little bit once they get that extra row set up in here. Amen. It's exciting that that God is adding to the church. Amen. The Bible tells us that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be... In other words, that's the way it should happen. The church should be growing. Amen. Football stadiums should not be rebuilding because they need more space. The church. Amen. If anybody should be growing in 2023, it's the church. Amen. Amen. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Amen. And we're going to read. Amen. Amen. A parable from the scripture. A parable is a story with purpose. Amen. It's a story. The parables that Jesus told were, bring, were to bring about kingdom principles. Amen. And we're going to read one such of those kingdom-principled stories that Jesus shared. Amen. And uh, let's begin in Matthew chapter 25 and begin in verse 1. The Bible says this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven... Be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all, somebody say, they all, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, The bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Somebody say, then all. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for the lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so. Lest thou be not enough for us and for you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy them for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Amen. And while the five foolish went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen. I want to preach this morning for just a few minutes on this thought, wise or good. Amen. Wise or good. Amen. We'll give you just a second right now. I'm going to bow my head and we're going to pray. And if you'd like to move into this extra space that's been made, you're welcome to do so. Lord, we ask you to anoint your word. We ask you, God, to touch every heart, every life that is gathered in this building today. Lord, let minds be changed. God, the Bible tells us that we are renewed. God, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we ask you today, let minds, oh God, be renewed so that lives can be transformed. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, every heart would be touched by the word of God. Not by the the man, but by the the word of God. Let the heart be touched today. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. Hurricane Ian was one of Florida's deadliest deadliest storms in recent memory, causing between 50 and $65 billion worth of damage, claiming more than 100 lives in 19 counties. The primary cause of death in Hurricane Ian, and in every hurricane for that matter, at the root of it is not drowning, it's not entrapment, some object that may have fallen during the storm. It's not even being struck by wind-blown debris. No, the primary cause of death in Hurricane Ian and in every hurricane is failing to heed a warning, failing to make proper preparation and move out of the path of a powerful storm. Each of those more than 100 lives that were lost in Hurricane Ian perished in spite of mandatory evacuation orders issued by emergency management officials more than 24 hours before the storm ever reached the land. One of these tragic deaths was Fort Myers Beach resident Mitch Pesina. He and multiple neighbors decided that they were just going to ride out the storm. In a video that he posted on Facebook early on the morning of September 28th, A meteorologist appears on that Facebook post. A meteorologist appears on the television of Mitch. And there that meteorologist is warning of a potential 15-foot storm surge that's coming to Fort Myers Beach. A few hours later, another Facebook post appears at 1056 and Pasina is now nervously exclaiming, Oh, my God, I made the wrong decision, he says, with a tremble in his voice. As out front, the video shows water is already making its way up into the yard. Two hours later, at 1224, Piscina realizes he is in bad trouble. Another Facebook post, he adds at 1224, this isn't letting up. He says, if it gets any higher, we're going to have to make our way to the roof. One hour later, he makes one final post and the post simply said okay, we're terrified. That would be his final post. Pacina who could not swim drowned when that storm split the house apart. His body would be found days later. Psychologist Dr. Karaquit spoke to the factor that affect people's decision making whether they will evacuate or whether they will not during hurricanes. Some The psychologists would reason that some choose to ignore the warning and stay behind because they've never experienced the storm before. They don't recognize the power of the storm. They don't realize the decimation that they are about to encounter. Other times it is said, in fact, in many cases, residents base their decisions upon the decisions around them. They look out the window and if their neighbor isn't leaving, they decide, well then, if my neighbor's not leaving, then I will probably be okay too. And so out of what would be a form of peer pressure, they remain and end up perishing in the storm. Others that have experienced storms before, they forget how dreadful past storms have been. There is a window of time, the psychologist says, that the memories of past devastation, of what the storm has done to their lives before, there's a window of time where they remember it well. But as time goes on, they begin to memories begin to fade, and the sense of urgency begins to uh, be abandoned. Other factors include wanting to protect their home from looters. That often, in storms of this nature, after the storm has passed, looters will come. And make their way through homes and take possessions. And they say, We want to be there to protect whatever may remain. Whatever the factors that have motivated, that might have motivated their delay, the difficult truth remains. That they failed to heed the warning. Whether it was looking out and seeing the neighbor's car is still there. or, Or whether it was simply that they had forgotten the power of the storm. Or maybe they forgot, amen, just the devastation of what the storm had done in their life. But whatever the cause, the fact is they failed to heed the warning. Death never makes sense. Whether that be at the hands of old age or some terminal illness, a tragic accident, or untimely passing, I think we would all agree that death never makes sense. We can find no fault with the now over 40,000 that just two weeks ago they were asleep in their beds in Turkey and Syria when that earthquake registering a 7.8 magnitude began to shake the earth and bringing down houses and apartment complexes. Those people had no way of knowing that there was something coming that was devastating. They came with no warning. There was no 24-hour bulletin letting them know they need to evacuate. There was no voice that would raise sounding the alarm of soon impending destruction. Yet those that are given warning that the storm is coming, Amen. Those that are given warning that in 24 hours a a, a storm is going to come that's going to shake the ground. There's a storm that is coming with winds that are going to be deadly and destructive. And yet those that choose to stay and abide, warned, even commanded to flee the path of destruction, yet they choose to stay. Because that's what my neighbors are doing. Or because I forgot the power of destruction in my life. Amen, because they chose to stay and defend a structure and belongings that easily could have been replaced. For these poor souls, it's difficult to make sense of their demise. If only they would have heeded the warning that had been given. You might wonder, what does the parable of ten virgins have to do with our response to storm warnings? What does a hurricane have to do with a wedding party? And I would say, oddly enough, I've been to a few weddings that it, there was actually some similarity between a hurricane. Bridezilla, I think they call that. When you consider, however, that this parable of the five wise and the five foolish is not an abstract allegory that Jesus is sharing in isolation. It's not just as if Jesus is walking along with his disciples and says, you know what, I think now is a good time to tell them about a wedding. Uh, it's not as if he was just standing there in an isolation. He said, I want to tell you a story about ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. No, this parable comes fresh on the heels of the 24th chapter of Matthew. A chapter in which Jesus would describe the destruction that will come to this earth at the end of the age. Amen. With bold and descriptive language in the 24th chapter of Matthew, Jesus begins to share the signs that will signal the time Listen to me this morning as I preach with a sense of urgency, amen, that Jesus in this 24th chapter of Matthew begins to share with his disciples not just for their sake, but so that they could in turn tell others that there will be a certain climate when Jesus comes back, amen. There will be certain signs that you will look around you and you will see, and they will tell you that the return of Jesus is imminent, amen. They will be a warning sign to you that judgment is coming and that the second coming of the Lord is soon to come. And with exponentially greater urgency than a weatherman predicting the the projected path of some hurricane, Jesus signals the path of judgment upon the earth and the forecast of his second coming. Hear the word of the Lord that heralds the climate and the conditions at the coming of the end of days. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, Jesus said, This is going to be the climate of the earth and the condition that will be prevalent upon the face of this earth at the time of judgment and the time of my second coming. He said this, nations. Everybody say nations. The Greek word that is used there is the word ethnos, which means races. Amen. He said race is going to strive against race. Amen. He said here's how you're going. One of the signs of my coming and impending doom and destruction is that there will be racial tension like you've never seen before. Amen. That was one of the signs. And then he went on and said kingdoms or nations and governments, amen, are going to rise up against one another. He said there will be famines, which speaks of a shortage of food. He said there will be pestilence, which speaks of of sicknesses and disease that spreads across the land. He said that there will be earthquakes in diverse places. I don't know if your head has been buried in the sand for the last three years or not, but can I tell you the conditions that Jesus mentioned? He went on in verse 12 and said because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Amen. He's saying there's going to be an abundance of sin like you've never seen before. Amen. There's going to be perversion like you never thought before. Amen. They're going to begin to try to change even the very identity of what a man and a woman might be. Amen. Because of the abundance of iniquity. I recognize I may ruffle some feathers today, but if I can convince just one of you today to go buy some oil, if I can convince just one person today that it's time to go get the oil... He said, because of this abundance of sin, the agape, which is a love of God to man and of man to God. And he said, because there is such an abundance of sin, he wasn't saying you won't buy chocolates for your sweetheart on Valentine. That's not the love he was talking about. He said there would be a death of love for the things of God. Can I tell you if there's ever been a climate where there was a coldness toward God, it's the world we live in today. Verse 14 concludes the evidence that the time of the Lord is coming soon. This is good news, he said, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached on the whole world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end Come, can I tell you today as I preach, and that camera projects my image, it is reaching nations around this world. Amen. Not just my voice, but other preachers today. The nations of this world are are receiving the gospel today. I'm telling you right now that there is a storm that is coming. And I recognize some of you will look out the window of your soul uh, and you'll look at the neighbors that live around you uh, and then you'll say, well, they're not changing anything, so everything must be okay. But I tell you today, it's time to make some changes uh, because Jesus is coming back. The remaining verses of Matthew chapter 24 speak of the suddenness and the surprise. Come on, I, I, I've, never, I've never really been in a, and I'm, I'm not trying to jinx myself here today, I don't really much believe in that anyhow, but just in case it's a real thing, I try not to do it. Find something made of wood to knock on just in case that's a real thing. I've never been in a real bad a car accident but I in my mind brother Silvati I have this thought that that you know what no matter what comes I'll I'll be able to evade you know that no matter how, how all those people that get in car accidents how does that happen to them I'll have plenty of time to swerve to the right or the left but somehow I know even as I think that it's not right and I think that that's the way a lot of people think about the coming of the Lord that they think you know what I'll have time to get right I can do what I want to do right now and I'll I'll be able to make the adjustments that I need to make. I'll be able to get right when the time comes to get right. But the quickness and the suddenness and the surprise of the coming of the Lord is something that you're not going to be able in the moment to make the adjustments that need to be made. Jesus... Jesus declares in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, and he says, Let me give you a metaphor of how my coming is going to be. It's going to be a, like a lightning bolt that flashes from the west to the east. And before you know it, I've come and I'm gone. His coming will be unexpected by man. It will come without warning, and it will come without hesitation. Unless you are looking for it, you will not anticipate it coming. Unless you are watching for it, the moment of His coming will come, and it will pass before you ever have a chance to respond. In an instant... In less than the amount of time it takes you to make a sound as your fingers snap together. In less time than that, the Bible says that He will shake the very foundations of the universe. Matthew 24 and verse 29 says, immediately. After the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. The moon will not give forth her light. Stars will fall from the heavens. And the very powers of the heavens will be... I know some of you all of a sudden recognize you've got a lunch appointment to run to. But don't leave today because God is making one last reach for your soul. Immediately. It's going to be like a bolt of lightning, and you look up and wonder what happened. And if you weren't looking for it, you won't know. Verse 31 says, he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And for those that are ready, it's going to be the greatest sound you've ever heard. I said, for those that have been listening for the sound of that trumpet, and you've been living your life for eternity The sound of that trumpet is going to be the sweetest sound that you've ever heard. But for those that have been living their lives for this earth, for those that have rejected the warning of the weatherman, for those that have thought you could do it on your own, it will be the most terrible sound you've ever heard. And the verse that stirs my spirit and should stir the spirit of every heart of every listener that is in this building today when Jesus says this, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. Amen. Somebody in this building today, I came to be the weatherman today to tell you that a storm is coming. Amen. The judgment of the Lord is coming to this earth. Amen. The second coming of Jesus. it is from this summons to get ready which is what the entire 24th chapter of Matthew was this plea to prepare and it is following directly on the heels of this plea that Jesus shares the parable of ten virgins five who were wise and five who were foolish trying today in our western culture to make sense of lamps, shouts and sleeping virgins in the context of modern Wedding ceremonies make little sense. They're like, where's the sand ceremony? Right? Where's the unity candle? I can, right, we got our own little way of doing things because the, the the parable that is shared here, if we plug it into our Western culture, our way of doing weddings, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I just want to very quickly kind of give you a summary of of Palestinian or or the, the, the weddings in the setting of where this story was written and the and the context of, of who this story was written to. The marriage process began with the betrothal or the engagement of the man to the woman, which would have been accomplished by the marriage covenant being established, agreements that were made, a price for the bride being negotiated and paid by the groom to the bride's family, which I'm all for. I've got four daughters in case y'all didn't know. Following, that was just the engagement. Following this betrothal, this engagement, the husband returned to his home. This ought to elicit some scriptural context for you to prepare a place for his bride. said, I've got to go away to prepare a place for you. She would return to her home and she would begin to make the preparations that she needed for married life as well, packing her belongings and getting ready to go and live with her beloved. Often this time of preparation would be around one year. Once the groom finished his preparation, he would come to collect his bride. Usually he would come in in the night hours. And that groom would be accompanied by a wedding party, convoy of his friends and that would serve to escort him to his waiting bride. And he would have that best man and they would carry torches that would light their procession. And as that, that bride knew that the groom would be coming, but she didn't know exactly when. I just know maybe it's, it's in this time frame. It's, it's around this season that he's going to be coming. And so as the groom got closer to where that bride was, the escort that was in the front of that parade would, would shout out, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And at the sound of that shout, the bride and her bridesmaids would run to that bridal party. They would join in to that wedding party with their torches illuminated, letting everyone know that I'm a part of the party. Amen. It would help to illuminate the way, but also identify them as a part of the celebration. Only those with torches ablaze. Only those with lamps that were lit were able to be a part of the wedding celebration. After the wedding was complete, the bride and the groom had been united. The wedding party would remain together there for a week of celebration and festivities. And while this parable is rich in truths that could be declared, I could preach all day today literally just from this parable. But I preach today with the urgency of a weatherman that stands looking at the map realizing the storm that is coming. Realizing that there are many that come to church every Sunday but you've got no oil in your lamps. Many that will forego the call to evacuate. Choosing, oh, I don't want to leave this world behind because I'm too in love with what this world has to offer. Uh, Amen. Choosing rather than to evacuate. I've got to remain behind and fight off those things that would try to steal away those feeble things that I have gathered. Let me tell you, all the riches you can gather, all the fame, all the fortune, Amen. All of the elevation and the things that then I'm not against you succeeding in doing great, but five they will not withstand five seconds of the judgment of God. They will not withstand five seconds of the wrath of God being poured out upon this earth. The parable of the ten virgins is a call to preparation. It serves for the purpose of warning and awakening. And so I'm not going to be much longer today, but I came today to tell somebody you better get ready because Jesus is coming. I came to tell somebody you better wake up. You better get ready because Jesus is coming. Amen. You better get ready because the cry is about to go out. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. First of all, it warns us that there are certain things which cannot be obtained at the last minute. The Bible tells us that these five foolish virgins were awakened from their sleep. Along with the five wise, all of them slumbered. doesn't appear that there's anything wrong with their slumber. But the five foolish were awakened by the shout of the bridegroom coming. And suddenly the Bible tells us they realize something that had to leave an emptiness in the pit of their stomach. I don't have any oil. The Bible says, then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered saying, not so, lest there be not enough. For us and for you, but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And the Bible says, sadly, I don't think there's joy in the pen of the writer that is writing this parable. But while they went, amen, while those foolish virgins went, amen, while they went to buy oil, the bridegroom came, amen. And the Bible says that when they were then ready to go in, it was too late because the door was shut. Can I tell you right now, in this building today, there is oil. In this house today, there is oil. In this building today, there is anointing. In this building today, the Holy Ghost... And you may laugh at me, you may mock me, amen. You may think this is all a game, but I promise you the day will come that you will wish that you had listened to this preacher. You will wish that you had gone and you had bought oil. The sad thing is, Brother Johnson, is they went to buy what they could have brought. They they went to try to find what they had stocked up at home. Amen. The Bible says the five wise virgins, they brought oil with them. The five foolish virgins, it wasn't that they didn't have oil. It wasn't that they didn't know what oil was. But they made a conscious decision that I don't need it right now. Amen. And the fact is, it's too late when you think you're ready. It's too late when you're ready to respond. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Brother Phillips, as I read this parable, something stirs my spirit about these five foolish bridesmaids. The shout goes out. Behold, the bridegroom comes, and, and these five foolish virgins do what many of us do every Sunday. They jump up, shocked, bewildered, and amazed, knowing they don't have oil. And yet they run to their lamps, and they start trimming them. Can I ask you, what in the world are you doing trimming a lamp that you know you don't even have oil for? They're playing the game. They do it. they're going through the motion, so everybody around them will think, "Hey, I've got what it takes, but they knew I don't have what it takes. I've been playing a game. It's all been a show to me. And they jump up and start trimming their lamps. Now maybe I'm the only one familiar with that feeling. I can remember being in high school and my teacher says, "Get out your homework." And I started digging in my backpack. I knew good and well there wasn't no homework in there. There was a better chance of a million dollars being in that backpack. But here I am digging around in there acting like what happened? There wasn't no homework in there because I wasn't prepared. And those five foolish virgins jump up from their sleep and they start trimming their lamps, knowing good and well there's no oil in that lamp. It's all a waste of time. And I came to ask some of you today, what are you doing trimming your lamps? What are you doing playing games? Why don't you go get some oil? salvation ain't for me. Your dance ain't for me. Your jump ain't for me. Stop clapping your hands so the people around you will think that you're saved. Let me tell you what you'd be better off to get out of your house and get some oil. I'm going to tell you what we need right now are not a bunch of trim lamps. What we need is the oil. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God. I want somebody right now to get real with God. I want you to forget about your neighbor right now. This ain't about your neighbor. It's about you and Jesus. Amen. If you're not ready, if you're not ready, if right now he came back and you wouldn't be ready, stop what you're doing and get you some oil. Come on, God. The hour is over for us to come to church and play church. The hour is over for you to raise your hands and act like everything is good between you and God when you hate your brother. Amen. When you've got offenses and bitterness and grudge. Amen. Instead of trimming your lamp, why don't you go find the sellers of oil and get you some oil. I don't want to praise with pretense. I don't want to praise with pretense. I don't want to put on a show, in other words. I don't want my worship to be so that you'll think I'm spiritual. I'm going to tell you, if those virgins would have been wise... If they would have been smart, they would have run. The first thing they would have done is jumped up and gone and found them some merchants that had oil. Perhaps they could have gotten back in time. But instead, they were more worried about what the people around them thought. They were worried about what the five wise virgins thought of them. So rather than getting real with God, they just kept playing the religious game. But in this moment, they wanted nothing more than a vial of oil. A cruise, it, listen, in that moment, when you hear the sound of that voice, behold, the bride, I promise you, that car you've been, I was going to say lusting after, you've been drooling over. That relationship you've been trying to maneuver your chest pieces just right to get it in alignment that raise on the job that you've been putting your whole life on the line just to get that, I promise you all of that will become as dirt. And the only thing you will want in that hour is the only thing the bridegroom matters about, and that is do you have oil in your lamp? I don't care what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care who your five best friends are. I just want to know do you have the oil? But the fact is, the mistake of the five foolish women was not made in that moment. It was made way back when they walked out of their house and says, I don't need any oil. If you miss the rapture, your mistake isn't when the rapture takes place. Your mistake will be on this Sunday morning when a preacher preached. And you sat there and stared at me. And you sat there and held on to your secret sin a little bit tighter. When you sat there and said, Preacher, you can preach as hard as you want to. You ain't going to move. That's when you made your mistake. It will just be revealed when the voice goes out that says the bridegroom cometh. And there will be those that the instant the cry goes out, Instantly, they will restructure all their priorities. Instantly, in the moment. I could preach a thousand sermons and barely get you to budge. But in the moment, that sound. In the moment you hear that trumpet. In the moment you hear that cry, behold. The, all the, instantly, all of your priorities will be reshuffled. In that instant, the presence of God will become the most important thing in your life. In an instant... The Spirit of God filling your life will be the number one priority, but it will be too late. Are you all hearing me today? It's time for living hope to move beyond pretense, and it's time to get some oil. It's time to stop trying to fool everybody around us and get right with God. I've come to urge someone today, stop trimming your lamp when you know there's no oil. Stop consuming yourself with looking like you're good when you know good and well you're empty. Second warning that this passage provides us is that there are certain things that cannot be borrowed. It's five foolish virgins that jolted awake by the cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Undoubtedly, they jumped to their feet, aware that the one thing they had that, that was required was the one thing they had neglected. And so the five foolish virgins Turned to the wise, seeing that they had their oil. Oh, you ain't been playing church the whole time. You really got something. Can I have something? And that, you're, you got more than a dance going on. I need some of what you got. I didn't know this thing was real. Can I have some of that? And they turned to the wise and said, can we have, Brother Jones, can I have some of your oil? I know you love me, Brother Jones, but I'm going to tell you the right answer is no. And that might sound heartless to you. But those five wise virgins weren't just wise in the moment. They were lifelong wise. Because they made another wise decision when they turned to those foolish virgins and just said two words, not so. Some of you, the problem you got is you're trying to have long conversations with people that are just trying to drain you of your oil. You want to sit down and have five-hour-long conversations with people, amen? They're trying to put their offense on you, and they're trying to put their, amen, their grudge and their bitterness on you, amen. Let me tell you, all you knew is two, two words. Not so. It ain't happening. <laughs> I see people do it all the time. Someone comes in that's got no oil, they got no joy, they got no anointing on their life, ain't trying to get no joy, ain't trying to get no anointing on their life. They've run dry of the Holy Ghost and they ain't got no holy thoughts. They're filled up with bitterness and they come in like a leech and they attach themselves to you and they start emptying you of your oil. I just want to give you two words today, and those words are not so. (laughs) Amen. You need to get a not so in your spirit. I ain't missing out on heaven for you. I'm not missing out on eternity for you. I wish somebody in the back would help me preach right now. Some of you got to get a not so in your spirit. I ain't missing out on heaven for nobody. I'll pray for you, but you ain't taking my oil. I love you, but you're not taking my oil. How much oil can I have? Not one single drop. Amen. I'm not giving you any of my oil because making it to heaven is the most important thing in my life. I wish somebody praised the Lord right now. Some of you got some leeches in your life. Some of you got some people draining you in your life. You need to have enough Holy Ghost, enough wisdom to look at him and say, not so. Let me tell you what I will do. I'll take you to the merchant that sells oil, and you can get your own oil, but I can't afford to give up my oil. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help somebody in this house today. Listen, in the list of things the Bible says ain't going to make it into heaven, offense is one of them. Bitterness ain't going to make it to heaven. And some of you think you're helping the foolish virgins out by taking their offense on for them. They got offended at the pastor, and so you want to take that offense on for them. Let me tell you, you can't afford that. Hey Amen. You need to get a knot so in your I will pray for you. I will love you. But I'm not taking that offense on for you. Because I've got to make sure I've got enough oil. You are not going to be ready to go out and meet the bridegroom on borrowed oil. Well, I got some of daddy's anointing. Man, my mom gets up and prays every morning. I'm good. When the bridegroom cries, I'll be ready. You ain't going to heaven on mama's oil. I'm good, pastor. Pastor shook my hand today. You ain't going to heaven on pastor's oil. There's only one vessel. There's only one lamp that matters, and it's your lamp. It's your vessel. So stop trimming your lamp and get you some oil. Today is the day we stop borrowing oil. you got to get your own breakthrough. you got to, you got to foster your own walk with God. You've got, you got to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You ain't going to make it to heaven on living hope's oil. you got to get your own oil. This is it. Last... It awakens us to the understanding, this parable of the ten virgins awakens us to the understanding that God is concerned with wives and not good. In our humanity, we're consumed with good and bad, right? We're little kids. That was a good boy. I was a bad boy, right? Maybe y'all didn't get that. I got more of the bad than the good, amen? When I got a gold star, though, I want everybody to know about that. When I got a whooping, nobody needed to know about that. Good is a measure of success. Bad is a measure of failure. And the way it works in the system of this world is that if you do more good than bad, you win. As long as you do more good than bad, you win in the end. But Jesus did not tell the parable of five good virgins and five bad virgins. Here's the bad news about your salvation for all you that think you're good enough. You can't do enough good to earn your salvation. For all of you today that hear what this preacher is saying and you're sitting there and your response is, I'm good, preacher. Uh, Amen, I'm good, preacher. I've got it all together. I've done so many good deeds. I've helped the poor. I've given to this cause. Uh, Amen, I've done a lot of good deeds in my life. Bad news is you can't get good enough to be saved. I don't care if from this moment forward you never do one more bad thing never think another bad thought never say another bad word never laugh when somebody trips in that crack in the sidewalk and if you never miss an opportunity to do a good deed every chance you get you help the old lady across the road you go rescue the cat that's stuck up in the if you do every good deed and never do another bad deed it won't save you now let me tell you the good news about salvation all the bad that you've ever done cannot keep you from salvation it's not about good versus bad i said it's not about good versus bad i don't care how bad your life has been i don't care how bad your choices have been i don't care how bad you've got it Amen. There is nothing in this world that can keep you from being saved. Brother Eric asked earlier if he was at a Pentecostal church. I think I'm going to need to ask it again. He said it's not about bad versus good. All the bad in this living hope, that's what gives us hope. Because Because I know in this house, we have some folks that used to be some really bad people. Oh, now y'all want to act good. Thank you, Sister Carol. In this house today, we have some folks that have a testimony that you've done some really bad things. But this ain't about good versus bad. It's about wise versus foolish. It's not about what you've done. It's about the choice that you make today. Two parables in the Bible that closely parallel one another. The two men who built their houses, one was wise and the other foolish. The one, the Bible says, who built his house upon the rock was wise. And the one who built his house upon the sand was foolish. Why? Because the wise man made a now decision for a storm that he knew was going to come one day. Y'all still with me? And then we have the five wise virgins. And the five foolish virgins, hey amen, the only difference between these two sets of virgins, they both were virgins, obviously, that's a good thing, all right, at least in Bible language, that's a good thing, type of purity, amen, they, they all went out from their house to meet the bridegroom, they, they all had garments on that identified them as being pure, and then they all took a little time to sleep and slumber. These were, they were all good. If we were measuring this on goodness, all 10 of those virgins would have been allowed into the wedding party. But this is not about good. I know you might go to church every Sunday. You might give 12% tithe instead of 10. Amen. But it's not about how good you are. Amen. The only difference between the wise and the foolish virgin is that the wise had oil in their lamp and the foolish didn't. The difference was five of them said, we're going to make some now decisions with eternity in mind. You all with me? I'm almost done. I I just got to, as a pastor, every once in a while, I feel the Holy Ghost tug my heart and say that you're preaching to somebody right now. Because some of you are making some now decisions with now in mind. You're, you're duplicating the foolish choices of those five foolish virgins. You've forgotten about eternity. You come to church every Sunday and you trim your lamps, but you know good and well there's no oil in it. You know good and well it's been so long since you felt the Holy Ghost pulsate through your soul. Uh, Come on, you know good and well, uh, amen, that the choices you make are with this temporary world in mind uh, and not with eternity in your thoughts. Uh, And so I come today not asking you to be good. Uh, I'm not here today to ask you to get good. Uh, I'm asking you today to be wise. I went to Mitch Piscina's Facebook page. That's the guy that didn't listen to the warning back when Hurricane Ian came. Sad story, and I hesitate to even use this illustration because I I probably would have done the same thing as Mitch. I don't like people telling me what to do, just being honest. So I might have made the same dumb choice Mitch made. But I went to his Facebook page, and I read through the comments under that last post he made. Or he said, now I'm terrified. Comments, Mitch was such a good guy. Mitch was always smiling. He was such a happy guy. You know, Mitch was a good man, but but, but Mitch wasn't wise. He didn't listen to the warning. You might be a good person here today, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray somebody would raise your hands right now. There is oil in this. Today, there is oil in this house. Come on, I'm not asking you to get good. I'm not asking you to get down, come down to this altar so that you can get good enough. I'm simply asking you today to make a wise choice. I'm simply asking you today to make a wise decision. That God, I've got to come and get oil in my lamp. I'm not satisfied with trimming my lamp. I'm not satisfied with just doing enough so the preacher thinks I'm living right. I want to invite you to this altar right now. I I, I challenge somebody today. Jesus is coming. There is a storm that is coming. The judgment of the Lord is going to come. All of the climate and conditions surrounding the coming of the Lord are being played out around us right now. Everything he said was going to happen at the time of his coming. It's happening all around us right now. Racial tension. Nations rising up against nation. Famine, pestilence. It's all happening. It's not too much longer, and that night, that midnight sky is going to be pierced by the shout. The trumpet of the angels of the Lord is going to sound, and the bridegroom is going to come, and the elect are going to be gathered together from the four corners of the earth. Come on, press on up to this platform. If you're, if you're standing, press up. Let's make room. Let's make room. Today I'm getting oil. Come on, let's not have a, a, a lamp trimming altar call right now. Let's not have a lamp trimming altar call where we all just come here and trim our lamps. I'm asking somebody to get desperate today with the Almighty God. God, I've got to have oil in my lamp. I need altar workers help me right now I need us to move through this congregation there are people responding to the preaching there are people making a wise decision today come on all of you seasoned saints you can help me right now find somebody to pray with Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going away I've